Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. Hey everybody, welcome to True Crime Paranormal with the Psychic Sisters. I'm Christy Brower, here with my sister, co-host, and partner in crime, Katie Weaver. Hey Katie. Hey, how's it going? Well, it is going. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. We camped all weekend. We did. If we, we look like we got some sun, that's because we did. <laughs> we did. It was very sunny. It was beautiful. It's mm-hmm. on Memorial Weekend here in Idaho. It's either going to be sunny and beautiful or snowing. Yes. And really maybe no in between. But or we actually had sun the whole time. Rain. Pouring. Mm-hmm. Pouring, pouring rain. With, yeah. with gale force winds. Yes. But yes. we had none of that, actually. We just had mm-hmm. beautiful, beautiful weather all weekend long. We did. Yeah. And today is my 24th wedding anniversary. Yes. Happy anniversary. Thank you very much. So exciting. Yeah. So we're not celebrating it today because um we just got home from camping and well, we're dead tired. So we're, we'll get yeah. about to dinner tomorrow night. There you go. There you go. Exciting stuff. It is. And this show, so we've had some requests to do kind of a synopsis of the Daybell Vallow case. Yeah. We talk about it all the time. We have something like 50 episodes in the playlist. Um, this is initially about the missing children, Tylee Ryan and JJ Vallow. Mm-hmm. And then it got way bigger than that. But we thought we would um, kind of go through a timeline of that case, but also share with you how we first became aware of it because it is local to us. That's mm-hmm. why we've covered it so heavily. Mm-hmm. And so back in end of November of mm-hmm. 2019, there were a couple of missing children reported in our local news. Yeah. And this was Tylee Ryan. And J.J. Vallow. Yeah. And they were mi- reported missing out of Rexburg, which is where Katie lives. Mm-hmm. And they were reporting that Tylee was 17. Mm-hmm. And well, at the time, my daughter was 17. Right. Mm-hmm. So and we so, had this conversation, like, do your kids know this girl? Yeah. Now, we know now that Tylee actually died when she was 16, to be fair. Right. But she had turned 17 shortly after, would have turned 17 shortly after she died. But yeah, so we we hit up all my kids. Hey, do you know this girl? And they were all like, no. Now, t- Mars has always said she looks familiar. She looks yeah. familiar. And Mars's best friend works at a coffee hut uh, just down the road from where they lived. And she's always yeah. said that, too. I really, really think I've served her coffee or, you know, a drink before. She looks very familiar. So some people had seen her a little around town, but none of the teenagers knew her at all. No, no. And now it seems strange to us because Rexburg is a small town. There's only one mm-hmm. high school. Oh, yeah. So a lot of information started rolling out about these children. First of all, that their mother is Lori Vallow. Mm-hmm. At the time, we didn't have any idea who that was. Yeah. You guys, this was actually before we started True Crime Paranormal. Yeah. And and honestly, probably one of the reasons that we did, mm-hmm. we felt really, um, Katie and you and I both have been very interested in true crime forever. Oh, yeah. We always are messaging back and forth with our other sister, Kara, about, did you see this? What's going mm-hmm. on here? What do you guys think happened? That kind of thing. And this really caught oh. us because it's two yeah. mis- missing kids. And you guys, that is rare here. Mm-hmm. Other than, oh, mm-hmm. they were gone overnight and found. Or a non-custodial parent took off yeah. with them. I mean, that's something we see around here every once in a while. But right. like straight up true missing children? No, that, that's not a thing here. Yeah. No, and this drug on into December, we were watching for updates. Like, what the hell is going on with these kids? Mm-hmm. Local community members in the news were like, 
why don't the police know where these children are? This is not okay. Mm -hmm. We're going on, we start going on weeks that they're reported at the time. I mean, you know, so much that we, there was a lot, I think that you and I knew that we did not say. There was. Yeah. Yeah. We, we figured very early on that these children were dead. Mm -hmm. And we have talked about on here that in active cases, when people are missing, we do not read those kinds of things publicly because it's not right. There are family members impacted by the things that we say and Mm -hmm. we have ethics and, you know, some people might think that's weird as psychics, but we do. Mm -hmm. And we, you know, we from very early on went, Oh, Mm -hmm. we don't feel these kids. They're, they're dead. Now in, in missing persons cases, when families hire us to work with them, of course we do that. But <clears throat> big public statements, this is not the right time for it. No. And, you know, we just, we're just not going to do it, you know. You know, and when bodies but, are missing and there are no answers, all that does is just create more heartache, mm-hmm. you know. And, and at the time, the police and the media are all trying to be really positive. Hey, we're going to find these kids. They're going to be okay. Mm-hmm. That kind of thing. Yeah. So then. And then, of course, things? we have Lori and Chad. Yeah. Promising everyone they know. Well, either telling everyone they know that Lori's an empty nester that doesn't have any young children. Or on the flip side, Chad later on telling everyone the kids are fine. They're fine. They'll she just has to keep them under wraps right now and that kind of stuff. Like they were ensuring everyone. There was all this stuff about that they were being protected. Mm -hmm. And we started to learn about the preparing a people group. The mm-hmm. AVAL group. Mm-hmm. So preparing a people is, they call themselves a media company, right? Yeah. And they do these, they're kind of prepper type events. Uh-huh, conferences. Kind of yeah. prepper slash kind of new age, kind of Christian, kind of cooked up bunker stuff all like rolled into one, uh, yeah, one, one big package. Right. And we start finding out that Chad Daybell, who has, you know, lives in Salem, which is right outside of Rexburg, Mm -hmm. um, right, literally right down the road from our aunt and uncle and some cousins. Mm -hmm. And um, that he is big in this stuff and he's in this what what we kind of have, you know, just coined the term prepper Mormons. And so. Mm -hmm. You know, we live in a very Mormon community, obviously. We talk about this a lot. And that he was um, a Mormon in a part of this group that they're involved with this prepper group. So they're sort of, you know, preparing for the apocalypse kind of group that's mixing in Mormonism and some new agey stuff. And, you know, like it's all getting all mixed up together. Yeah. So we start learning about Chad and then we start learning about Lori and we find out that Lori actually had only lived in Rexburg a very short time. Yeah. And that the kids had only lived in Rexburg a very short time and that Tylee had supposedly already completed high school online. Mm-hmm. Why the kids didn't know her. Yeah. But the JJ did go to a local elementary school briefly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For about 20 days. Yeah. Yeah. So these things kind of all start coming out and we're like, Oh my gosh. And we're starting to identify and recognize that, there are a bunch of people in our community that believe these same things mm-hmm. are kind of involved in this same group of people mm-hmm. um, yes. who immediately start, you know, well, initially really start defending Chad in particular. Mm-hmm. We start seeing a lot of public defense of him, you know, because oh. there are questions about yeah. rapidly do something to these kids, well, you know, yeah, rapidly defending Chad. Uh, you know, in, in every capacity possible, you know, yeah. online and in person and at church and just absolutely insisting that Chad would never do any of the things that he's been accused of. And in the midst of all of this happening, Chad's wife dies. Chad's wife of 49 years, we learn she has died as mm-hmm. well. 20 years. She was 49 when she died. Or, right. Sorry. 20, yes. <laughs> That would be weird math. Uh, be weird math. Yeah, they, uh, we have, we learned that right uh, around the time of all of these other things taking place, his wife Tammy died. 
and and this has all already happened. Like we're finding yes. out about it. And After obviously the fact. who knew her, you know, knew that she had passed away, mm-hmm. but it's getting, we're starting to go, what's going on with these people? Like mm-hmm. his kids are missing. His wife has died. She died very suddenly. Um, mm-hmm. And then within hearing, just a couple of weeks, Chad and Lori were married. And yeah. that really struck people hard that that it happened. Did. That was very strange. And there were, you know, major questions that started coming out that Tammy Daybell was buried within like three days of dying in another state. Yeah. And that seemed weird. You know, Mm -hmm. there wasn't, I don't know, you know, Mormons have a pretty specific way of how they handle death and burial and funerals and stuff. And this was very, very rushed. Mm-hmm. It didn't seem fitting at all. And he mm-hmm. buried her in Utah instead of in Idaho here where he lives, which was mm-hmm. another strange thing. In Springfield, Utah, where her parents live, where they actually yeah. both, where they came from, both of them. Right. Lived. Yeah. 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 They did, in fact, live there at one point. But mm-hmm. there were a lot of things that seemed off about mm-hmm. this. So then we find out that the FBI is involved. Yes. And that the FBI puts out, and this is by now January of 2020, probably. Yes. And the way we find out the FBI is involved is that suddenly outside of the Rexburg Police Department is this giant FBI trailer, like working unit thing that we've never seen in town before. And so all the buzz is what, uh, you know, hell's the FBI doing here? Well, yeah. you know, it was easy to see that they were here for this case. Yeah. yeah. And they put out a call mm-hmm. because they want to know, was anybody in the area in Yellowstone Park the weekend of September 8th, 2019? Mm-hmm. And if so, do they have any, were they at Old Faithful in particular? Do they have any pictures or any video that they mm-hmm. could share with the FBI because what they're looking for, and we're showing a picture of this right now, mm-hmm. if you're watching, and if not, we'll tell you, this is a picture of Tylee Ryan and JJ Vallow, the siblings who at this point are missing mm-hmm. with their uncle, Alex Cox. With such a grin on his face. Like they're just one big happy family. Right. The kids we... look like they're having fun. Mm-hmm. This looks like a positive thing. This is also the last day that Tylee shows up anywhere on the planet of Earth. Yep. This is literally her last day alive. Yep. We learn later about all of the cell phone pings that helped uh, convince, you know, the prosecutor that it was the very next morning or maybe in the middle of the night that Alex, Lori, and Chad played parts in murdering Tylee, dismembering her body, burning it and burying it in Chad's yard. Right. right. I just think this photo is particularly chilling and sad to think. It is. Well, and then JJ only lived about 10 more days. Yeah. And met a similar fate, unfortunately. So this was very interesting. This came up when, you know, it's not like the FBI gets involved in cases in our area very much. No. And I was I was reading something online um, on Reddit about this case and about how it's weird how even though we have a lot of small communities around here, we sort of all feel like we're mm-hmm. one big community. And we do. Mm-hmm. So I live in Idaho Falls, Idaho, which is probably the, f- the fifth largest city in the in the state. Mm-hmm. And you're going to laugh when I say that there's about 60,000 people living here mm-hmm. in, in city limits. Mm-hmm. But then from here north, we are the biggest city. We are the hub anywhere, all the way to the Montana state line, the Wyoming state line, and even across into Montana and Wyoming. Many people come here, either to Idaho Falls or to Rexburg, where Katie lives, Mm -hmm. because we have things like Walmart and big grocery stores Mm -hmm. and shopping, healthcare, Yeah. Yeah. Doctors, hospitals. You know, Rexburg is the only hospital all the way to Yellowstone Park on, yeah. on the West entrance. And so yeah, we do feel like one big community, even though mm-hmm. this is happening in Rexburg. 
feels like it's happening to all of us because we are very connected. It feels especially like that for us because you live there. Mm-hmm. We grew up there. That's like our town. And yeah. so suddenly we have missing children, mm-hmm. you know, what we know to be from a psychic standpoint, dead children. Yeah. Just not something that happens. No, no. So then, oh, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, we had a special uh, serendipitous in with the press with the early days of this case. Yes, we did. (laughs) Because my daughter was the editor of her school paper. And so she had a press pass. And so I was able to write on that press pass as the adult, you know, with her to various things. And we were able to attend things like press conferences with the Woodcocks um, after Lori was ordered to uh, produce the kids and didn't. And Mm -hmm. we were able to be at the jail when Lori was extradited from Hawaii and brought in. And we were able to be at the press site when they announced that they had found bodies uh, right. about a mile from Chad's house is where they set up the, uh, the press uh, staging area. And we were there, we were able to get a video, you know, of the sheriff announcing at that time, they only said they had found remains. They didn't say there were two bodies, um, but we actually, uh, you know, had a front row seat to all of that because of um, Mars's press pass. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, was we very got really lucky that way. Because we were able to get um, some inside looks and coverage that we wouldn't have had otherwise. But Right. Super important. Because as you mentioned, mm-hmm. so at this point, uh, the police here have had enough of all of this crap. They've been lied to mm-hmm. by Chad. They've been lied to by Lori. They've been lied to by a lot of other people we're going to get to. Mm-hmm. At this point, Chad and Lori are in Hawaii. They have basically fled and are in Hawaii. Mm-hmm. They were supposedly missing for a while, but... What we hear is that the police actually knew where they were the whole time. Mm -hmm. So a judge here in Madison County says, you have to produce your children. You have to be here. Well, it was right at the end of January, wasn't it? Like Mm -hmm. the 25th or something like that. So local police go to Hawaii. Mm -hmm. They track down Chad and Lorraine. We had local Mm -hmm. press there as well. And they tell her, you've got five days. We're serving you. And you've got five days to be back in Madison County, either at the Department of Health and Welfare or the or the police department with your children physically present Uh to prove to us that they're okay. Uh So then, of course, our community is on absolute pins and needles. Is she going to show up? Are these kids okay? Right. And And, and as we're waiting. Oh, go ahead. I was going to say that's when we really get a good look at who Kay and Larry Woodcock are. And if you want to share that. So Kay and Larry are the grandparents of JJ. JJ was adopted by Charles Vallow, Lori's fourth husband, and mm-hmm. Lori. Uh, JJ was the grandson of Kay and Larry. Their son had a baby that they uh, were going to need to put into a permanent home situation, and Lori and Charles had stepped up to the plate and adopted JJ. JJ was autistic and had some behavior stuff, though uh, we really felt like that's been played up a lot by Lori, you know, to make it seem like he was just extremely difficult. And it's hard to know that that's really true, you know. It's certainly Um, not what his schools have reported. No, it's not at all. But um, at any rate, Charles, this is when we start learning about Charles, husband number four. Mm-hmm. And the fact that Charles was indeed killed by Lori's brother, Alex. And at the time, the story in the news and the police reports say that the death was self-defense. Great. This happened in Arizona, or yeah, in Arizona in June of 2019, just a couple of months before she, or sorry, July, just a couple of months before she came to Rexburg. We know now that there are first degree uh, charges against Lori, conspiracy conspiracy charges uh, pending against Lori from Arizona in Charles's death. And so it does seem as though they, um, they, they are, there are murder charges here. And so we're, we we can now confidently say 
what we all, I'm sure you guys too believed, and that is that Charles was truly murdered, not just killed in self-defense. Right. But that that was an intentional plan. So Kay and Larry have been completely cut off from JJ. And this happened sometime after Charles died. There was a very large life insurance policy. And Charles knew that Lori was fixing to kill him. In fact, he had tried to get divorced from her earlier in 2019. And, you know, the golden vajayjay won again. And she talked him into, for whatever reason, not divorcing her. But he had actually made a statement to his attorneys that if anything happens to me, it was Lori and Alex. Yeah. And indeed, something happened. But because of all of that and because... Let's talk about Alex. For, oh, we did. Sorry. We did show a picture of Alex. Never mind. Yeah. So because of all of that, um, he changed his life insurance policy and took it completely out of Lori's name and put it in Kay's name. He had two adult sons and JJ. Then he wanted to make sure they were taken care of if anything happened to him. Lori had been super weird. She had uh, done some really crappy things to him. She'd stolen like $35,000 from his business account. Like yeah. things were not good and he wasn't trusting her. Mm. He had a court order for her to have a psych eval that she sheer made her way out of with the help of the Chandler police. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, this is when we start learning all Arizona. of this. Yeah. This is when we start learning all of this and going, what the hell? But anyway, she was so angry that she didn't get that life insurance that she pretty much cut Kay off. And Kay and JJ used to talk. They'd FaceTime almost every day. And sometime around the end of August, that was their last conversation. Yeah. And Lori quit answering the phone. And JJ quit uh, being able to talk to her. And it was done. And she knew something was wrong. She was frantic trying to find them. They moved. She didn't know where they went. She yeah. was in a panic. But this is when they showed up in Rexburg, Idaho. In Rexburg, Idaho. She had no idea where they had gone. But Kay is a great sleuth. And Kay logged in to Charles's Amazon account. She had all of his passwords because, again, he knew something was up and his life was in danger. And he sure did. You know, as we know it was. But she discovered that someone had been making purchases on Charles' Amazon account and shipping them to a place called Rexburg, Idaho. So she called the police in Rexburg, Idaho and said, I think my grandson is there. I think he's at this address. I am very concerned for his safety and would like a welfare check. That's how this all came together. Had Kay not found the connection, had she not found the Amazon address situation, it's possible that these kids would still be buried in Chad's backyard and people would still not even realize they were missing. Nobody was really looking for them. Yeah. 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 All props to Kay for her persistence. Absolutely. Yeah. So the Woodcocks end up in town. They come to Rexburg because they're frantically looking for their grandson. And behind the scenes, there is an order that has been put together by health and welfare, an emergency custody order that they were to be awarded temporary emergency custody of JJ as soon as Lori turned him over. Because the police were agreeing that they were smelling a big rat named Lori. And (laughs) so, of course, the date comes and goes. And guess who? completely ignores it and doesn't turn over the kids. Yeah. Nothing and happens. We were this at a press was, conference. I was going to say we were crawling with press that day. Weren't we? This whole area was like, Oh yeah. Everyone. We, had this we were at a press conference that evening that was supposed to be with Kay and Larry and poor Larry, his blood pressure was so high and he was so ill by the end of that day that he had to go back to the hotel and lay down. And the press conference was just with Kay. And Kay, uh, you know, handled herself beautifully and just, you know, is just persistently saying something has to give. Like the authorities have to keep pushing. There's something not right here. And the judge said, "Okay, well, now I'm issuing a warrant for your arrest, Lori, because you're not doing what we're saying. And there's something wrong here, because where are those kids and who's taking care of them? 
Right. So that's when they issue an arrest warrant for her in and serve it to her in Hawaii. She's arrested in Hawaii. And they uh, want to extradite her back to Rexburg. So she actually tried to fight extradition, which is, well, she threatened to. Which is so silly because the only time you have any grounds to fight extradition is if you, if the police can't prove that you are who they think they are. Well, and there was some weird stuff that went on with that because she and Chad were married in Hawaii in November Mm -hmm. of 2019. But there were questions about if they were actually legally married or not. Mm -hmm. And she kept jumping back and forth between going by Lori Vallow and Lori Daybell. Mm -hmm. And only very recently has that actually been resolved. Mm-hmm. what is her name? Right. And so they tried to pull some shenanigans around that just based on that fact. Yeah. And you might notice. Say, yeah. Yeah. You, say it. You, you may notice that we, uh, we listed all of her uh, last names because Lori's been married five times. Well, and we should add her maiden name to that too. Well, yeah. So her name is Lori Cox, Yanes, LaGoya, Ryan, Vallow, Daybell. Yeah. Yeah. So she's been able to go by a lot of different names in her lifetime. Mm-hmm. Yep. And disrupt a lot of different families in her lifetime. Oh yeah. my gosh. So they issued a $1 million bail or bond mm-hmm. um, in Hawaii. The judge did. Mm-hmm. And everyone freaked out because at this point she's charged with child abandonment, child endangerment. Uh huh. And uh, blind to the police. Yeah. So it's pretty minor charges, but everybody knows what we're really dealing with at this point. You know, I feel like everybody did in the legal system. They're like, this woman killed her kids and she's lying about it. And we have to make sure we can hold her. Uh So they extradite her here. And you had a very uh, (laughs) unsatisfying experience trying to see her arrive at the uh, Madison County Jail, right? (laughs) We did. They did quite a bit of misdirects. Uh, People thought that they would be flying into um, Idaho Falls to the big airline there and then, uh, you know, bringing her by police transport here. Mm -hmm. And they didn't. They flew her into the Rexburg airport. So they flew her from uh, which is just a tiny. Right. They flew from Hawaii to, I think, Los Angeles to Boise to the Rexburg Municipal Airport, which was not what almost any of the press expected except for East Idaho news. Cause they've always had an inside. They have always had, had an inside mole, but um, when they brought her in, they actually brought one vehicle in through the doors where they normally bring in suspects. All of the press was there. They were taking pictures of that vehicle. I was a part of that. Uh, and she wasn't in that vehicle. She was actually brought in through a different door at the same time. And that was very frustrating to the press. They felt like uh, they'd been lied to. And then after they brought her in, uh, a spokesman for the police department came out to talk to us. And we, you know, and he was asked point blank, was Lori in that vehicle? And he said, yes. He did. They lied to our faces. To the press. Yeah. Which yeah, a lot of people were pissed off Really about. not cool. The press was furious about it. But at any rate, at that point, Lori was in custody and was due to be arraigned in Madison County. Yeah. So she was arraigned in Madison County. And the judge here um, originally doubled the bond, didn't he? It started out at $2 million. At some point we got Did to it? $2 million. No, And then they dropped it back down to one. Maybe so. When yeah. we asked for relief. Yeah, it was, you guys, it's like the biggest bond that's ever happened here ever. And of course, her uh, her her attorneys. Oh gosh, uh, mm-hmm. freaked out about that. At one point, they tried to get it reduced. I think they did get it down to one million. Mm-hmm. Um, but n- nary a bail bondsman would come within ten feet of her. They tried. Her. Yeah, they tried. She tried all kinds of things, and bail bondsmen would come in and sit with her and say, "We will bond you out." If you will tell us where the kids are. Yeah. But she couldn't do that. Here's the thing on a million dollars bail. The fee to the bail bondsman is anywhere from 10 to 15%. And that's not money you get back. That's just the payment. 
right. for them putting up this kind of money. So they were looking at needing a hundred thousand to one hundred and fifty thousand dollars just to bond her out. Yeah. And Chad couldn't come up with it. He tried mm. and tried. He tried to borrow it. He tried to get people from his little community all rallied up to save Lori from this illegal thing that was happening to her. And he tried to point, sell his, his supporters were starting to wane. They were starting mm-hmm. to go, maybe we want nothing to do with this. Mm-hmm. One of the things that they tried to do was sell a portion of the proceeds from the movies and books that were going to come from this, that they thought that they'd have royalties to, to the bail bondsman's promising it would be a whole lot more than that $150,000. And if they had just bail Lori out right now, well, by God, they'd get a portion of the Lifetime movie. Now, of course, nobody fell for that because um, Lori and Chad can't make proceeds off of this. No, Their families can, Sad but they can't. The Lifetime movie is coming out at the end of the of June, but... I know. Yikes. No. Um, yeah, so nobody wanted anything to do with this at this yeah. point. Nobody wanted to help them. No. Everybody in the community was like, she needs to stay her ass right there mm-hmm. in that jail. Which is, in fact, where she has been now for more than mm-hmm. a year. Yeah. 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 So that's kind of where this all started for us. Yeah. And right about the time she was extradited to mm-hmm. um, Madison County is when we kind of went, you know, I think we're going to do a true crime podcast. Yes. <laughs> and actually, I'd had the idea and, and talked to Katie about you know, mm-hmm. doing true crime paranormal and doing some psychic stuff and some paranormal mm-hmm. stuff and some true crime. But we were watching this insane case play out. And one of the reasons we really wanted to talk about it is because these folks are Mormons. Okay. Mm-hmm. We're former Mormons. We know all about the culture in the church. We know all about the culture in this community. And there have mm-hmm. been a lot of things going on in this case that can be confusing. And if you're looking from the outside mm-hmm. in, none of this makes any sense. I mean, it mm-hmm. still doesn't make any sense. No. So we've been able and, to explain a lot yeah. and give and, perspective on a lot of things. Definitely. And they are not traditional Mormons by any sense. No, but there's not. quite a bit of lingo and scripture and reference and innuendo and culture that all ties back to the Mormon church. And yeah, we yeah. felt like we could help in that regard. And I only feel like we have done that in helping to explain things that confounded a lot of you guys. Um, I'm going to back up really fast because I ran and looked. I wanted to be sure. Um, It was a $5 million bond in Hawaii that was reduced to 1 million here. I knew it came in higher. That's right. Thank you for that. Yeah. Yeah. Which was just unfreaking heard of you guys. Mm -hmm. Unheard of here. Yes. So when Lori was arraigned, she had three attorneys. And they were all from the Boise area, which is like five hours away from here. Yeah. So that was surprising. But her attorneys were two criminal law attorneys. Uh, it's a little, I should have looked up. Oh, Edwina was her name mm-hmm. and her her partner. And she was supposed to be like, they called her on their website, a pit bull in heels. Um, yeah. She sure didn't act like it in court. She actually acted very nervous. Her voice shook. She, I, I didn't see pit bull in heels. But you know, I don't know. I don't. Attorney, I don't think anybody could look at this woman in this situation and go, "I'm confident. I know what to do with this." You know, right? I yeah. Anybody's felt like that from day one, for sure. And they had just met Lori like that day. You know, yeah. the the day of the arraignment. The third attorney was a family law attorney by the name of Mark Means. Yeah. Well, right after the arraignment, the other two attorneys withdrew from the case. They either decided that she was guilty as hell and they wanted nothing to do with this, or they realized that she really couldn't pay them or whatever. We don't know. I really wonder if they wanted her to say where the kids are. You need to tell the judge where those kids are right now. And when she wouldn't do it, they went, oh boy, no. This is nonsense. So then Mark Meads stepped to the plate. And what we understand about Mark from... Other attorneys that have uh, talked about Mark quite a bit, um, particularly Scott Reich, is that Mark had never even tried a felony case before. Yeah. And it showed. 
it still shows because he has made a lot of missteps in court. He files things incorrectly. Um, not to mention just the basic spelling and grammar of his briefs is just horrifying. But yeah. anyway, uh, but it's been really interesting to watch this play out because she, Lori has an attorney that's feeling his way through a dark hallway. Yeah. All this time. Yeah. From the very, very beginning. I mean, one of the most insane hearings I think anyone's ever seen ever mm-hmm. was a bail reduction hearing that he had requested in which he had filed all the wrong paperwork. Mm-hmm. And then he complained the entire time that the prosecutor was being mean to him. And that's why they mm-hmm. needed to reduce Lori's bond. <laughs> mm-hmm. Basically two hours of you should re- reduce Lori's bond because the prosecutor's been mean to me because yes. the jail has been mean to me because I don't know what the hell I'm doing. Yeah. Basically. It was honestly, mm-hmm. I, right then I went, how is this guy still her attorney? Like, right. And, and, and we've now been through a year of this and we're still going, how is this guy her attorney? Mm-hmm. But he well, is. We've we've begun to call trips to court with uh, John Pryor, uh, Chad's attorney, and Mark Means, a belligerent herd circus, for all the yeah. right reasons. Yeah. yeah. Yes, for all the right reasons, most definitely. So there were a lot of, you know, kind of legal jockeying things that went on for a while. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, so we were keeping an eye on all of that. With Lori in jail and everyone going, when is Chad going to be arrested? When are we going to see, find out when the, where these kids are? Yeah. I mean, that was still the million dollar question. Where yeah. are the kids? Yeah. And Colby, Lori's adult son, Colby, trying to talk to her in jail on the phone and her telling him, we'll all be together again soon. Everything's fine. Don't worry. We're all going to be together soon. And Colby, knowing something is way, 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 way wrong. Yeah. So everyone in their family is picking a side. Lori's family is going to the press saying, Lori is a wonderful mother. She would never hurt her children. Lori's friends are going to the press and lying their asses off. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, everyone's on Dateline and everyone's on mm -hmm. East Idaho News and Dateline and East Idaho News start working together. And then we have Justin Lum and, um, Arizona, who's working Mm -hmm. in, you know, we're getting Mm -hmm. all these different sides of this. Mm -hmm. But But none of these people are saying where the kids are. Yeah. And we start learning more and more about Lori. Besides the fact we learn that she's been married five times. We also learn that Lori has a string of death around her that is really uh, concerning. We learn that there has been a murder, or not a murder, but a strange unattended death. We learn that Tylee's dad, Joseph Ryan, died in 2018. An unattended death, and he lay dead in his apartment for a time before he was found. And that felt very weird. And then, of course, we've learned about Charles Vallow's death in 2019. So we have two deaths in a row here of Lori's ex-husband's. And then we're looking at Chad Daybell's wife's death, which she was exhumed. One thing we didn't mention is that, uh, and we're sorry, it's just, you know, if this was on a wall with, you know, pushpins and yarn, it would be some kind of weird Afghan by now, you know. It, but, it really would. You know, there's no way to do this in a linear way. Mm-hmm. But, <laughs> but one thing we had learned is that Tammy Daybell was exhumed about six weeks after she died uh, for an autopsy. She died a healthy woman, just didn't wake up one morning, and there was no autopsy. She was just buried. And, yeah. yeah. So they went back and did an autopsy because that was weird. And the day after Tammy was exhumed, Alex Cox died mysteriously in Arizona. So now there are, so everything is just leading up to, there's all these deaths. Everyone and is Alex talking is Lori's about brother, this. Just a reminder Alex is Lori's brother. brother. Then we learn that in October of 2019, just right before Tammy died, that Melanie's, sorry, that Lori's niece, Melanie, who was in the middle of of a divorce, that someone 
tried to kill her ex-husband, shot him in his driveway. He was driving a Tesla and somebody shot his window out uh, in a drive-by trying to kill him. And that he and their children were in hiding for fear of their life. So now there's all of these things that have happened that don't, it's really starting to look like we have some serious bad guys on our hands here. Right. Like look at how many people are dead. Well, you know, the other thing we learn is that somebody tried to kill Tammy Mm -hmm. about two weeks before she did die. Mm -hmm. She Mm -hmm. thought someone ran up to her and fired a gun at her. She thought it was a paintball gun. Mm -hmm. And when the gun didn't fire, that person ran away. And she was like, well, that was weird, you know. Mm-hmm. But at the time, <laughs> she didn't know any of this other stuff. No. She posted she just, about it on Facebook. It's not like she called the cops. She didn't. No, she did call the cops. Did she call yeah, the cops? Yeah, okay. there was a police report. She oh, did call the cops. Right. But she posted on Facebook to, hey, friends and family. And I have a cousin who was friends with her and friends with her on Facebook. And she said, I remember That's that right. post very well. It was really weird. They live way out in the country. And she was just getting out of her car from a church function and was getting some things out of the back seat when someone in a black mask runs into their driveway, takes a couple of shots at her and runs away. Yeah. And she thought it was a paintball gun. We know yeah. now that was Alex and that was a real gun. Alex yeah. was actually a super bad hitman, but uh worst, fortunately. But but now we know there's all of this death and all of this suspicious stuff. So yeah. everyone's on pins and needles last summer going, where are the kids? There's all these rumors that they have been, that they have had uh, cadaver dogs in Yellowstone because that's the last place we know that Tylee was alive. Yeah. And so there's all this talk that maybe they Can you like, imagine to search Yellowstone there? with cadaver dogs? Holy no. shit. Can you imagine how dangerous Anyway. They were waiting till the snow melted so they could get out there, which is the absolute most dangerous time to be there because that's when all the bears wake up. Like yeah. it's, it's all the grizzly insane. bears start coming out hungry. Yeah. And so we, we were hearing all of these things that this is all happening. And then just out of the blue, on June 9th, there is all of a flurry of activity. And we find out that there's about to be a press conference. And... Mars and I throw on our shoes and we drive to that site as fast as we can and we get in on that. And that's when they finally do announce we have dug up Chad's property and remains have been found. And then we also learn at that time that they finally did take Chad into custody. Yeah. And they took him into Fremont County. So Chad lives Mm -hmm. in Salem, which is, He's in Fremont County on the edge of Madison County. So it ended up putting Chad and Lori in different jails in different mm-hmm. counties. But he went in. He immediately got a million dollar bond, too, and has been sitting his ass in that jail ever since. Yeah. Yeah. And of course, then we learn that there are indeed two bodies. Yes. And then we learn that they are the children and we learned that the condition of the bodies is really troubling. Mm-hmm. We learned that it, they appear to have died at different times, which mm-hmm. no one knew that for sure until then. But we it was kind learned, of kind of new because of their electronic footprints that mm-hmm. they were, you know, they died about ten days apart. Mm-hmm. We think. Yeah, we learned that Tylee's body was mutilated, and you know that she was dismembered and burned in basically a big makeshift fire pit in Chad's backyard, kind of buried in various places. And I know that's really horrific. I'm sorry for even saying it, but that's uh, the way Tylee, you know, was handled. So then there are charges. Finally, there are conspiracy charges on the deaths of the children. They're not murder charges. They're conspiracy charges that have to do with the bodies. With the handling of the bodies and the concealing uh, and destroying evidence, concealment and destroying, yeah, and so then of course you know, then there's a pretrial for Chad, which was very enlightening, and there were police officers and FBI agents and friends like Melanie Gibb, 
who are all called to the stand. So a preliminary is just giving the judge enough evidence for them to know that there is enough evidence to charge and try this person, to try this person. And so we learned that Alex has the pings from his cell phone have him in the middle of the night, the last day that uh, Tylee was seen, at Lori's apartment at like two o'clock in the morning, and then back at his place at five. And then we have him at Chad's house about nine. All the while that there's some really weird text messages that Chad has sent his wife, Tammy, that day, who was at work. She was his librarian at an elementary school. And the pings have Alex in very specific places on Chad's property. And that's how the FBI knew where to dig to find the children's bodies. It is astonishing. And we also learn that when it's all said and done, Chad swings by a local taco joint for lunch, or not Chad, Alex, on his way home, which is so gross that I can't ever eat there ever again. But anyway. We won't say that because we don't want to hurt them. But no, yes, it is is horrifying. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So this happens. So, you know, they do pretrial. So then Mark Means comes back and says, we don't need a pretrial. We're going to waive our right to that because why have one, you know? Yeah. So then all of this last year, there's... Lots of news doing interviews with family. There's lots of gossip back and forth, like from Melanie Pulowski and her, uh, Lori's niece, Melanie, uh, and her new husband, Ian Pulowski. And that's a whole thing. If you guys want to know all about that jam, just go into our playlist and you'll find all of their drama. It yeah. is qu- quite the, uh, the soap opera. But, crap. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. So there's lots of that going on and, you know, Lots of news organizations talking family members into doing interviews. And we have um, Lori's mother, Janice, and her sister, Summer, uh, spinning a big ball of bullshit for Dateline and, you know, really defending Lori. She would never do something like this and lying about when the last time they talked to the kids was, you know, just all this stuff. But not a lot happens other than that. And for a long time, nothing really happens we have all these trips back to court that are just on all this superficial stuff. The, the defense tries to get Rob Wood thrown off of the case uh, as the prosecutor because they are accusing him of some poor behavior. They lose that. Uh, there's just a lot of like they wailing. They and- the Idaho Supreme Court and they get slapped down. Mm-hmm. Just a lot lot of drama. They don't, Mm -hmm. you know, the underlying desperation that you get from all of this is that murder charges are coming on these people Mm -hmm. and there are no, they have no defense. There's Mm -hmm. no defense. They have nothing that they can come back and say, this is why we did it. And it's not our father, blah, 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 whatever. They murdered children. And so you can see that there's this desperation in the things that their attorneys are doing, nitpicking crap, like, you didn't give me this document or we gave you a two terabyte hard drive with all of it on it. I don't want to have to find it. You find it for me kind of crap. Mm-hmm. And lots just, and lots of Mark means whining and refusing to do his job and trying to make yes. everyone else do it for him. I'm being picked on by the mm-hmm. prosecutor. Lots of that crap mm-hmm. because, you know, looming is Tammy's autopsy finally comes back. Mm-hmm. They announce it in the news. So we know Chad's wife's autopsy mm-hmm. has been back. They mm-hmm. don't release it to the public. To, or to you know, anybody. In yeah. fact, Chad's daughter, Emma, That's actually right. does a little phone interview. And this is the only time Chad's kids have spoken up in the news at all. Now, Emma and her husband have been combative on social media kind of early in the, the thing. And then they got really quiet. But um, yeah. they... Uh, she actually did a little bit with court TV and told them, we just want to see our mother's autopsy. Like we didn't even know she was exhumed till it was already done. And that was very upsetting. Our dad has now been in jail for all this time. Like everything is so bad and hard. And now they're saying they have her autopsy back, but we're not allowed to see it. And we're just heartbroken and angry. Yeah. So, you know, but that's basically what the sheriff told them is that, uh, you know, it's an ongoing investigation. And until, it isn't. He can't let them see it. Well, and that's when we know mm-hmm. something is there. Tammy. 
Because if it was natural causes, they would have they, told the family and it would have been yeah. released. We've they, seen they it happen with. So. Yeah, they just would have said it. They've done it. They've said it in Alex Cox's case, although we still mm -hmm. don't believe that that's true. They've said it in Joe Ryan's case. We still don't mm -hmm. believe that's true. But if if they didn't if they didn't find anything, they would have said. So we know this is all looming over them. Mm -hmm. It's coming. Mm -hmm. And you have to understand that there were a lot of blunders at the beginning of this case with um, particularly Fremont County. Fremont County mm -hmm. is it, it's a very large county with a very small population and a very mm -hmm. small police force. And the coroner is just um, a person that's hired to work for 10 bucks an hour to be a coroner. Like they they're not a doctor. Right. No. So they took Chad's word that Lori that or that Tammy just died in her sleep and that she'd been mm -hmm. coughing and wasn't feeling well. Mm -hmm. You know, these were the kinds of mistakes that had happened. So a lot of stuff mm -hmm. happened where the state attorney general's office jumped in. They um, appointed Rob Wood as the special prosecutor over this case. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, some things happened. The FBI came in like our local law enforcement needed help. Yeah, because. We've never had anything like this before, ever. No. And, not, you know, so many of them were like, we don't, this is way out of our league. Mm -hmm. So a lot of stuff has happened, and there's been a lot of criticism that they've been slow to charge Chad and Lori, but Chad and Lori have been sitting their butts in jail, man. They mm -hmm. had a lot of time. And so what finally happened, was it last week? Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, it was two weeks ago yeah. that they convened a grand jury. A secret mm -hmm. grand jury. And they brought in all these people, lots of mm -hmm. the players that we know and have already talked about, and then some mm -hmm. others too. And, and a huge this, witness list, like close to 30 people. Yeah. yeah. Including two of Chad's children. Mm -hmm. um, came and testified in this secret um, grand jury. And they came back and they indicted Chad and Lori in first degree murder. So Chad has first degree murder on his wife, Tammy on Tylee and JJ, plus mm -hmm. he has conspiracy to con um, commit first-degree murder on all three of them, mm -hmm. and he has two counts of life insurance fraud. Yeah. Lori has first-degree murder on Tylee, first-degree murder on JJ, and then conspiracy to commit first-degree murder on Tammy, Tylee, and JJ. Mm -hmm. And she has federal social security fraud. Because she was still collecting the children's social security long yeah. after they were dead. You know, because they had social security because they had dead dads. Right. Yeah. yeah. So all of that came down. Well, all of that, actually, the results of that came down last week. Mm -hmm. So they were arraigned. Well, sort of arraigned. Yeah. There was one and a half arraignments that happened yeah. last Wednesday. Chad's arraignment was pretty normal. Yeah. You know. Lori, they started uh, proceedings with a closed door meeting, immediately came back and the judge said that uh, in light of things he was just told, he was going to put a stay on this for now. There'd actually been a stay on Lori's other case since March. So it wasn't a big surprise uh, that they didn't arraign her, but uh, it still, it really set everybody's hair on fire again because mm -hmm, there'd been a lot of secrecy around it. So that yeah. happened on Wednesday. So then on Thursday, <laughs> yeah. we get notice, you know, it's all over the local news that Lori has been found incompetent to stand trial. And that's why there's been a stay. Mm -hmm. But she's been found to be restorative, which means that mm -hmm. she can like go into the state hospital for a while, get some meds, talk to some counselors, get some help and mm -hmm. then come back out and be tried. She mm -hmm. will not. Idaho does not have an insanity plea. We just have competency. And when someone is deemed incompetent but restorative, it means they can get their mental health under control and then they can be and then they can be charged and tried. Yeah. So we're just standing on that right now. Yeah. We know that's been really upsetting. A lot of you guys have been really worried about it. She's not getting off on anything. It's yeah. just going to slow her case yeah. a little bit. So we'll see. And then, of course, the other thing that happened on Thursday is that the police in Arizona announced that they have now put forth the uh, recommendation for charges in first-degree first conspiracy charges in the murder of Charles Vallow yeah. so, on Lori. So all of that happened on the same day. 
Now, will they pursue those? They might not because there's already so much piled up here in Idaho, but it's still some good vindication for his family that yes, he was murdered by Lori and by Alex. Yes, yeah. As, as has been suspected all along. There are two people we haven't talked about very much that I think we should mm-hmm. because they're pretty key. And that one of them is Zulema Pestenis. Yes. So Zulema Pestenis was married very briefly to Alex Cox, Lori's brother. Mm-hmm. And briefly, she was like, a good friend of Lori's. Yeah. A good friend of Lori's involved in all of this prepper stuff. One of the things we haven't said that you have to understand is that Chad has written a whole bunch of books. Mm-hmm. I think Amazon has pulled them down now. I really hope so. But there are a lot of this apocalyptic Mormon prepper kinds of things, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah. so he was a podcaster and a speaker at all of these events. And people were big fans of his books, right? Mm-hmm. Zulema Pastenis being one of those people and also a good friend of Lori's. Also married very briefly to Alex Cox. As soon as Alex Cox died... Zulema Pastenis got an attorney. And we know because prosecutor Rob Wood has said that she has conditional immunity in some of these cases, in all of them, in some we don't know. But what that means is she has immunity for anything that she tells authorities. Uh She does not have an immunity if someone else can approve something Mm -hmm. she said or did that involves her Mm -hmm. it's been really clear from the beginning that she knows a lot more than she's saying Mm -hmm. but we hear very little from her because obviously her attorney is telling her to say nothing but she was here to um, testify at the grand jury and we are very curious still about what does she know what was her involvement Um, Mm -hmm. yeah took a quick quick peek uh chad's yeah. books are still active on amazon they have not they're mm-hmm. all still available it looks like only via kindle but yeah you can still don't but you couldn't you can still go buy that nonsense don't but... buy them don't support him um yeah. but that's where a lot of this comes from mm-hmm. is that chad basically has built a following yeah in which chad started telling people see if you know anything about the lds church the lds church has a hierarchy of leadership that begins with who they call the prophet he's the president of the church he as in it's always a male Mm -hmm. and they consider him to be a prophet of god Mm -hmm. um around the time that the kids were murdered (laughs) it's also crazy he started telling people in his community and in his church that he is the real prophet of the Mormon church and that the people in his community need to stop listening to the prophet in Salt Lake City and start mm-hmm. listening to him. This resulted in excommunication or voluntary removal, some something. He yeah. was kicked out of the Mormon church. Mm-hmm. But you have to understand when you see stuff that says cult mom, mm-hmm. some people are referring to this group as a cult. We don't know that it is, um, yeah. and maybe it would have been eventually had none had they not been caught. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of that, you know, really earnest following of him, mm-hmm. and that oh, yeah. brings us to Melanie Gibb. Yes. So do you want to talk about Melanie Gibb? Well, Melanie Gibb was Lori's best friend. They'd only been friends since about 2018. They met. When uh, Melanie spoke at a church event that Lori attended, or I, I could decide from hearing that if it was an actual church event or if it was more of a prepper event at a church. But anyway, something along those lines in Arizona. And they had some similar similarities in their children and in their backgrounds. And they started spending a lot of time together. And Melanie, uh, by all purposes, it seems, really became Lori's right hand man. Well, Lori it is was, she who introduced Lori to Chad. To Chad, yep. They she introduced Lori to Chad at an event in uh, Saint George, Utah, and, and that was in September of 2018. You guys, mm-hmm. this is what you have to consider. Like this all, all happened this really fast. Has happened in less than three years. Mm-hmm. All of it. Yep. Yep. So Melanie knew 
that Chad and Lori were having an affair. They were both married. Uh, she knew a lot of things. Now, she has, uh, she did one thing that really helped uh, law enforcement. She, well, she did one thing that really didn't help law enforcement. She actually, when Lori and Chad first uh, fled to Hawaii, when the police started sniffing around asking about the kids, they asked Melanie to lie to the police and tell them that she had JJ in Arizona. And she did do that. And then after a day or two, got to feeling like that was probably the wrong thing to do and called the police back and said, I do not have JJ and I haven't seen him. So sometime around January, she kind of got feeling weird about what's really going on here. Why did you ask me to lie to the police? Or at least that's what she said. Now we're all really starting to question what Melanie really is up to, but that's what she had said. Yeah, so in she, January 2020. Mm-hmm. So she called them on the phone, on speakerphone, and she recorded the conversation. And she basically, and if you want to see this, it is our episode called uh, Scripture Dance Off. Uh, <laughs> because uh or a scripture battle. I can't remember. Scripture dance off, I think. I but um, so. they, because she and Lori were fighting each other with uh, basically throwing around uh, verses and villains from the Book of Mormon at each other. But basically she kind of gets them to, uh, she tells them it's not cool that they asked her to lie to the police. And she tries to get them to tell her where the kids are, but they don't. But it is a really interesting peek into their dynamic and what's going on there. So, a lot of people have felt like Melanie um, knows a lot more than she was saying. I will admit I fell for her hype. I thought she did a great job at the, uh, at the uh, hearing at the pre, yeah, the prelim. And I felt like she, uh, you know, was really brave about it. Chad's lawyer was so mean to her. It wasn't even funny. And she really held her ground. She did. But a lot of people have felt like she knows a lot more than she's saying. And that this dumb, naive uh, job she's been putting on is exactly that. And so if you look back last week on Wednesday night case updates, we shared a very short portion of a phone call between Melanie and another friend who had recorded a conversation between her and Melanie uh, that really indicates that she knew that Chad Charles's death was a setup, that he was murdered, that they were making it look like self-defense. and. Mm. A part we didn't share because we don't have it, but apparently she also basically says in that call that she had known for many months that the kids were dead before the police ever found them and, you know, spilled a lot of tea. And so we're not really sure what's going to happen with Melanie. We, we suspect she's going to have some charges unless she's got an immune use immunity agreement, which like Zuliba does, which she may. We haven't heard mm-hmm. anything about it. But, she testified uh, at this secret grand jury, and so we don't yes. know. If she came out with all of this at that grand jury mm-hmm. and maybe made a deal that she was going to tell him everything she knew mm-hmm. if they didn't prosecute her, because ultimately she could be looking at some charges, but we yeah. don't know yet. Yeah, most definitely. So Melanie Gibbs, a very interesting player here. She's definitely one to keep an eye on. She puts on a real I'm silly and naive and kind of a stupid routine, yeah. but it's really starting to look more and more like that's not really true. She was Lori's sidekick. We know that she helped Lori to uh, steal Charles's truck and steal all of his stuff and basically kick him out of their house while he was on business way back in like January or February of 2019. Like she's been involved in Lori's bullshit for a while. She has. She definitely has. She knows. She knows more for sure. Yeah. But that kind of gives you some background. It's not everything, because if we did that, the show would go on for hours and hours, and it's already over an hour long. Mm -hmm. But we wanted to give you kind of a synopsis of the case, because we do cover it so heavily, and it can get confusing. Mm -hmm. If you want to know more, we have a playlist on our YouTube channel of all of our, and you can go back to the very beginning and then listen to them chronologically, Mm -hmm. um, you know, of all of our episodes about this case, because it is so crazy and Mm -hmm. it is local to us and has this Mm -hmm. connection to us because we've grown up in this culture and community Mm -hmm. that there are things that we understand on a different Mm -hmm. level you know yeah um but we did want to kind of 
sum this up. So if you're new with us and sometimes you're mm -hmm. like, I don't know what the hell you guys are talking about. We talk about this case every week. So yeah. this is what we're talking about when we talk about the Daybell Vallow yeah. case or we talk about JJ and Tylee. This is who we're mm -hmm. talking about. Yep. Yep. So there you have it. Is your head spinning yet? It <laughs> should be. It should yeah. be. And it probably will be again this week because, you know, it's been a holiday weekend. So tomorrow's the first business day of the week and we'll see what gets yeah. filed because there there was one filing done. there's already one filing that we haven't gotten to yet mm. we'll be talking about that but yeah well there you go because john Pryor thinks he can violate the first amendment and it turns out no john you can't oh yes no he cannot yep. yeah that's right he got slapped so that's good mm -hmm. well you guys this is our tuesday case so we'll be back with our wednesday case and which is a really powerful and challenging MMIW case we want to share with you. And then uh, we'll be back with case updates on Wednesday night at 7 p.m. Mountain, uh, live streaming on Facebook and YouTube. And then Thursday night will be the Psychic Hour. And it is the first Thursday of the month, which means it's nice. marching orders. So Our we'll, favorite. Yeah, we'll be doing a reading for every sign. And then uh, we totally flaked on pop-ups over the weekend because we were camping. Yeah. <laughs> but this we weekend, were going to do course, them, but it looked too some. bad. Yeah. <laughs> it's really hard to do stuff like that when you're camping. But we yeah. promise this week there will be some. So there's so much more to come. Yeah. If you want to send us a case that you would like us to look into, go to truecrimeparanormalpodcast.com. And there is a form there you can fill out and send us a case you're interested in. Try to send us unsolved cold cases those are the ones we like the best um we don't read current cases for reasons we have explained in this episode mm -hmm. but we do present them sometimes depending mm -hmm. on what's going on so if there's something near and dear to your heart send it to us yeah yeah all right well you guys know it we are true crime paranormal with the psychic sisters thanks for being here take care If you're enjoying this podcast, don't forget to like and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. If you're watching us on YouTube, you can always like and subscribe there as well. We also love comments and reviews. True Crime Paranormal is hosted by Katie Weaver and Christy Brower and produced by Christy Brower.